Well, good evening and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, we're back uh, as a, a new show and as you can tell, there's more than two of us this evening. Uh, so before we get into all our little bits of admin, first of all, welcome to the show for the first ever time, Manuel. Um, you're, you're joining us here um, from the uh, from the Voltruth Abroad Gladbach speaking podcast. How are you doing this evening? Great, fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yes, brilliant. Oh, we're really looking forward to getting stuck into all sorts of things. Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, I'm going to talk about the podcast uh, and Manuel's involvement in that. Uh, lots and lots of stuff about uh, the game of the weekend. Obviously, a fantastic 3-0 win season so far and everything in between. It's very topical at the moment, Gladbach, because of how they started the season. Farke and obviously the recent departure of, of Max Ebel as well uh, as director of sports. So loads to get stuck into on uh, on our second guest show of the season. Uh, before we get started, though, let's do our standard bits of admin. Uh, and as per usual, just to let everyone know, we are indeed in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes again this season. So, you know, brilliant uh, company that we work with, Bundesliga Boxes. They're the only mystery box company who provide genuine club shirts from Germany featuring clubs in the Bundesliga all the way down to Regional Liga. Uh, each monthly batch uh, bulges with shirts, uh, programme, pin badges, stickers and other items too. And uh, voted the best mystery shirt box company at the Kitsman Awards. So you know what to do. Get yourself across to Twitter to give them a follow and make sure you go over to their website to get yourself uh, a, a Bundesliga box. I think batch 23 is out now, so make sure you get across to them to get yourself one for the rest of the season. And please do drop us a like uh, if you indeed enjoyed this video. It'd be fantastic. Uh, comments in the comment section below. Uh, if you've got any questions for Manuel, hopefully be able to do it subsequently afterwards. And indeed, subscribe to the channel to make sure you don't miss out on all these brilliant shows that we're bringing you week in week out um so right first of all then uh manuel what a result of the weekend three zip against uh well i mean in theory a very very good rb leipzig team what are your initial thoughts just about the general overall performance well i think you know as, a, as good a performance as it could get really with uh facing rb leipzig but also that early in the season Farke coming in, having really an impact on the team. Things are looking good. Of course, then at the same time, we didn't pick up the much needed or much anticipated win against Mainz. Go to Freiburg, draw there, and then go into the Leipzig match, which is sort of a mixed bag where, um, you know, previous years we always looked really poor against Leipzig. Recently turned it around with, with victories at home. And then Leipzig, yeah, show up with, with Marco Rosa, the former coach, who, you know, went on to Dortmund and then now at Leipzig. So quite a heated sort of anticipation and atmosphere there um but purely on the pitch uh fantastic performance i mean uh some of the players are almost peak performance in their in their gladbach career i would argue um nice nifty moves by farke tactically putting putting kramer as sort of a false 10 uh mm -hmm. next to to ram in the, in the pressing line um really i think that caught leipzig out and uh, of course they were you know, it was an open play at times in the first half, but um, once sort of we, we, we scored from these, uh, you know, two opportunities of, by, by Hofmann, uh, the game really, you know, really moved to our side. And, and in, the, in, the, in the second half, Leipzig really pretty much collapsed. And it could have been, it could have been disastrous for them. It could have been another two or three goals without being too 
pretentious here, but uh, um, <laughs> overall, like really good performance. Um, you know, I, th I think everyone around Gladbach was was just chuffed. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, and obviously you did mention a few of the players already, the likes of Marcus Turam, who had a really good game, Jonas Hofmann, and which other players kind of stood out to you in this game? Because as you say, it was pretty much a kind of perfect performance, but which players really stood out to you in this game? Um, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, but besides Kramer and, and Neuhaus, we have to mention uh, Manu Kune, who is still, you know, you have to remember, he's he's really young. He came up as a, mm. he came, came from Toulouse as a replacement last year for Zakaria, moving to Juventus. Sure. Um, and then immediately making an impact even under uh, Adi Hütter last year and now if we have the time now put Julian Weigel next to him you know was a recent signing them as a pair was really nice to see and I certainly yeah Weigel is sort of the ideal coach manager player because he just sort of holds everything together pulls the strings and Kone is quite spectacular as a player you know so when you sort of turns with the ball and then starts dribblings and he is one of his matches where he could really shine as well and Rami Benzabaini arguably uh, and I'm not being biased here. I'm obviously, are, but you know, <laughs> um, he's he's just one of the technically most able defenders in the league. I mean, the, the third, the goal, uh, watch it again. The, the three zero. I mean, if the cross comes in by Lars Stindl and the way he takes it down and chips it over the keeper, I would argue there's not many strikers in the Bundesliga being able to do that that smoothly. So um, he was, you know, he grew in confidence during the match. He really enjoyed himself, which didn't wasn't the case last year. So. Rami Benzamini is my is my shout for another you know top player for the night. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, I mean, were you expecting it, Manuel, as well? I mean, as you mentioned, a bit of well, not indifferent form because drawing with Freiburg certainly this season is no no disgrace. And you mentioned the Mines game, but you know, red card <laughs> ensuing that you know kind of obviously was a big impact on the game. And and he obviously did have a couple of injury worries as well. Uh, obviously, Itakura uh, and a couple of others were, were missing from this game. Neuhaus obviously um, has been out of action as well. So, uh, again, and we saw Leipzig do really well in Madrid during midweek as well. So, it's, you know, and obviously the kind of the manager bounce that you always see um, as, as a result of, uh, you know, Tedesco's uh, departure. So, I think a lot of people were expecting this to be a close game uh, and not, you know, the three zips or scoreline. I, I, I think myself and Mark thought that Gladbach had a great chance of doing well, but uh, it's kind of come out of the blue a little bit, I guess. So, would you say that you know that was quite a shock amongst Gladbach fans? Yeah, certainly. I think nobody expected uh, the Leipzig to be sort of completely torn apart in the in the which that's how it felt in the second half at least. The first mm -hmm. half, as I was saying, it was a bit more of an open game, and certainly there was a. You know, uh, there was a shot by Andre Silva uh, after sort of twenty-minute counter-attack when the foul was, or you know, advantage was given, and then it gets to Leipzig counter-attack. Um, second half, as soon as they come out, there's there's a couple of opportunities right after the break. Um, so yeah, it could have also been at some point maybe uh, you know two-two or three-one scoreline, and um, but I think overall, what what was really the the impression Gladbach supporters in the stadium, also at the television, were given is that. Farke had got the coaching completely right. And um, by pulling uh, Kramer up front, as I was saying, against Turam, really, Leipzig couldn't couldn't sort of really exert their sort of man versus man pressing and gain really sort of advantage and come get between Gladbach's lines because then there was also Kone and Weigel. They really, yeah. Yeah, really stopped everything in the breaks. And um, it seems also that oddly, 
you know, the, uh, Raum against against Scali was was something to worry about again coming into that match, and it actually turned out to be Leipzig's sort of downfall as um, he had a completely, you know, that Raum has an yeah, awful off day and he was just always, you know, second to to the to the to the fifty fifty second to the sort of reaction time. Um, you see it on the first goal, the second goal is very obvious, but you know, just overall, I think Gladbach was just quicker in the quicker on their feet, quicker in their thinking, and that just came from a nice. Um, tactical approach that that um, Farke is giving them, where you know it's a lot of possession football that is being played, and it's, it's nice to look at, but at the same time also um, the sort of counterattacking movement is really is really there, and the team does well um, structurally does well on the pitch, which was a great worry for everyone watching Lapach last year. They would just fall apart, allowing the position to get easy chances, and especially against a team such as Leipzig. Uh, you know, um, we played them away. I think the, the scoreline was was four one in the end, but it was two two one uh, to 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 Leipzig in injury time. But the, you know, it, it fell to every Gladbach supporter last year. It should have been really a four one five one to Leipzig because they were just tearing us apart. Um, because Gladbach structurally was just was not there last year, and now um, Fark has really put his foot down and 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 out of this this really composed um, defensive football, not you know mm -hmm. defensive minded, but sort of structurally organized. Um, you create chances in the end because the quality is still there. So it's really good to see that how the sort of pendulum swung for us at the end of the match, where the team was also tired and then Gladbach just had more to give. Um, so yeah, I can only, uh, I can, you know, I'm really happy. It's, it's it's really a good call to have me on the show now after, <laughs> after that match against Leipzig. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that you made the point, obviously, about the form against Leipzig. And one thing that's kind of hit me in the last couple of years about Gladbach, probably the last three years, really, is the fact they've always played well against the bigger teams. You know, obviously, a lot of people know about the form against Bayern Munich. Obviously, we mentioned just before we started the 5-0 last year. Obviously, they turned Bayern Munich over at, in the Allianz as well. Obviously, they beat Dortmund last season as well. But why do Gladbach always do so well against the bigger teams, at least in the last two or three years? Whereas, again, you know, even this season, we've seen they got turned over at home against Mainz, you know, which was a pretty poor result, all being said and done, really, wasn't it? But you've still managed to beat, obviously, get that brilliant draw in the Allianz again this season and then turn over Leipzig 3-0. So how, what is it with this kind of up and down form and most of the good results come against the better teams from what it seems really? Yeah, as, as sort of the last season was very much sort of a glass half empty season where a lot of supporters would argue with you to say, saying like, well, they, you know, a lot of players are looking to leave the club, so they only turn up for the big matches, you know, if they, if they have the stage to play Bayern Munich, <laughs> play Dortmund. I, I'm not sure yeah. that's entirely true. I think, you know, it's, it, there's a part of this but also, of course, um, the, the the way of of and that's especially true, I think, in the Bundesliga, um, how the big teams, how the how the Champions League sides play, Leipzig, I would name Leverkusen, Dortmund, certainly Bayern Munich, um, plays into Gladbach's hands. Who you know they want to have a sort of an open game where you, you know tactically able, um, maybe physical teams as well, but certainly um, on the ball being you know quite um, quite elaborate, you know playing playing a nice football. Um, whereas the other half, without being too respectful, but the other half of the league or, or two thirds of the league, there is really an approach of okay, let's sit really tight, close the lines, and then hit teams on a counter attack, run 150, 120 kilometers, and for rather sort of um, yeah ballet inspired Gladbach side, which rather you know puts the foot on the ball and has a nice sort of swing to it, um, it sometimes doesn't help them to you know create chances. I think Mainz, you know, you know, Mainz is, it's it's a good example. That game was a bit of a freak show because I think you know Kuram is through on goal, then 
um, we get the red card, the free kick goes, and it's, it's a bit of an odd result because I think arguably they played actually quite well with 10 mm. men against 11 Mines mm. players, um, as in they let you know circulate the ball. But in previous seasons, especially in last week, it, it, we struggled against these sides who just sort of sit deep and so like, well, okay, Gladbach, they're now conceived a big, bigger side in German football. Let them have the ball, let them play. And especially when we change the gameplay to a more under Hütter and under um, a little bit under hacking, but certainly under Rosa and Hütter to more of an aggressive sort of, you know, counter-attacking stuff. Mm. These opportunities weren't there against these other sides. They were mostly there against Dortmund because Dortmund would also press us and Leipzig and would go up front and narrow down the pitch to into a half. So, you know, that's just more, it's more of an even match maybe. Yeah, I, I, interesting to pick that up because obviously we're now we're kind of moving into territory of the season so far for Gladbach. And, um, and you have seen obviously a more consistent beast because you know as you mentioned the one nil, the one nil defeat to Mines and the only out of your first seven games this season, well you know could have swung at on a pendulum you know one of the three draws should have should have in theory been a win the obviously the last minute uh, conceding against Schalke so that could have been your fourth win, um, you know and kind of scrapping it out to a certain degree against Hertha to get, you know, an, an ugly 1-0 win is obviously what we can describe it sometimes. Um, so I, I think, especially, if, again, go back to the Mines game, p- possibly last season when when that happened and you concede the first goals 2-3 and often forward come against the Gladbach defence and they did concede quite a lot of goals quite frequently. Um, so, yeah, that, there's certainly been an improvement in that. And, I mean... Is it just because it's is it Farke's influence, Manuel, or is it you know the team being pushed, you know, as collective, you know, as players individually? I guess it's, it's always easy, of course, now to blame the the manager who's who's left the club, <laughs> was, <laughs> yeah. was invited to leave uh, last last summer. But yeah. you, the the signs are there if you look at um you know especially if you follow if you follow the match in live if you, if you maybe just don't watch the highlights um. So you can really see the body language, how the players talk to each other. Gladbach was made out to be one of the sort of quiet, silent sides during lockdown because you could tell uh, without, you know, spectators around, you could tell how much teams were actually talking to each other. And Bayern Munich, like Thomas Müller is just like constantly chatting up the entire team about like what to do. And, you know, so in-game coaching by by the players is, is actually quite important, I think, at least, you know, some communication. And now... We see this for the first time in two or three years. We see this actually with this Gladbach side that, um, you know, lost opportunities, a player gets picked up, gets hugged. There's, there's signs of like, well, you know, rush in, that they, you know, celebrate a, a tackle or, a, you know, clearance. Um, all that was quite, yeah, it's just, it was just very, um, very quiet on the Gladbach front in the, la- in the last two or three seasons. And that's just a, and that's just, of course, one indicator. But um, I think with, with the way Farke communicates his way of football in the in the press conference after the match, the way he seems to have um, settled the players in, um, just speaks to the team. And, and and Jonas Hofmann, who was the first one who came out in, in preseason, to say, well, actually, the football we're playing now is much more the Gladbach football. I want to play and the team wants to play. So, you know, that's a clear sign that they are on the same wavelength with, with, with the coach and be it that it was different with Adi Hütter or not, but it's clearly now a good match with uh, how Farker plays football and the players, you know, they appreciate an intelligent, patient build-up. Um, and, you know, Julian Weigel as a sign, signing there is brilliant because he just fits well in, he, you know, provides structure now, didn't concede against Freiburg and Leipzig, again, two very good sides in the Bundesliga, no goal conceded. And that is, you know, that also starts with the midfielders, not only with who's, whoever's in defence. And I was very worried about Itakura getting out until... 
at Christmas probably because you know he has a mm. knee ligaments. Um, yeah. But yeah, then then you see Manuel Friedrich who has a bumpy start this year in Gladbach, and uh, Nico Elvedi who also wasn't great last season, and they just bossed it. And I think that's just because the players now know what to do on the pitch. And there were again there were reports that Hütter wasn't a kind of coaching coach as an in individually talking to the team. He was sort of above the team and. It wasn't always appreciated, and um, you know, um, you know. Then you get the contract extensions, Hofmann, um, and you know, the player notably, a big sign to the team. Like I want to stay here. The you know key players, at least player for the rest of the uh, of the Rückrunde last last year. You know, as a goal scorer and assist giver. So, yeah, it's all that. All these are positive signs that the team is really there at the moment. Yeah, good stuff. Um, sorry, Mark, are you going to ask another question? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I think clearly from what you've been saying, uh, Manuel, I think you can see that you're quite happy with Daniel Farker and what he's been doing so far at the club, and I can totally understand that. But like, obviously, he kind of made his name over in England, didn't he, really, with Norwich City, obviously. I think he kind of, defi- I think you probably agree with me, Rory, that he really kind of divided opinion, really, in England, didn't he? He was seen as like a god in the championship, but in the Premier League, he was seen as like a bit out of his depth, really, but... I mean, what, what do people think of him in Germany? I mean, I am based in Germany as well, but what's his kind of reputation over in Germany, would you say? Yeah, I think I think when he when he when he when he joined, uh, it, you know, his sort of first CV was uh, scrutinized, and of course, you know, not not many people, I would say, in argue in, in Germany have followed the you know the championship in in, <laughs> in detail, and of course they. I think they gave him they gave him sort of benefit of the doubt to say, well, okay, Norwich going up, it was always going to be a tough. You know, tough year, and um, yeah. you can't really blame a side that is. And and Fark actually, there was an there's an interesting um podcast in 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 German that that came out I think about half a year ago where he sort of reflected upon his time in Norwich, and it was quite clear that from from the owners, um, it was you know it was we need to save money. That was that was what happened um yeah. throughout the entire time. So it was always like, well, you know, get develop the talent talent one league uh, below and then when you go up let, let's just maximize and, and sell and that's what happened and uh, he said yeah, very very little uh, material to work with and um, he wasn't really exactly complaining but he just sort of put everything in perspective so I think I think at least from my 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 view um, it was it was yeah I appreciated what he's done with with which was uh, such a side and of course I think the judgment in the in the for the Premier League can be can be tough you know sort of uh, <laughs> you know sink or swim and you know have about 10 10 games otherwise we will sack you We're like oh yeah, yeah <laughs> well I'm, I'm only norwich but you know who cares? <laughs> so so you know i think i think it is more of a subtle view that he he's done reasonably well um up there with with norwich and certainly extremely well to also you know go back up again after you've been uh, relegated you know that is mm-hmm. i think a, a good yeah. sign of, of a really good manager to then sort of motivate the team again to perform and even maybe yeah. outperform sort of the previous yeah. year so yeah, I think he had a good view, and and in his time in Dortmund was uh, it's a youth youth team or 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 um you yeah. know teams below sort of coaching experience was was very good, good record. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, at the moment we're kind of proven right that that we were all kind of quite excited that that he would join his, uh, but yeah. especially it was because of the football and and you know Gladbach had uh, Gladbach had this story or the history in in April May where uh, Lucien Favre, the old uh, mm. former coach, you know, sort of really established a success back in back from 2011 to 2015 mm-hmm. he was about to be you know had a foot and a half in in, in the stadium so about to return <laughs> and things didn't work out in the end and um you know we went to he went to nice and um him as a replacement and then 
him coming in and the way he presented himself and presented himself also to the to the to the journalists and to the supporters really had an impact from the beginning. Um, I have to say, quite impressive. Yeah. I think the Norwich fans really, really liked him as well. I know a couple of Norwich fans and they were gutted when he left. So I think that says a lot, really. They understood what he did for the club and also that he was kind of, as you say, he wasn't backed financially enough at a Premier League level, really, to keep Norwich competitive. So, yeah, definitely. I think you've got yourself a good manager, really. <laughs> yeah, so there's not too much um, Premier League style kind of coming coming in and outs but obviously we've we've seen with Gladbach that you know there's not been too much of um kind of revolving door with regards to their head coaches um I will maybe talk about that a little in a little while um with, with it being topical but I want to talk a little bit more about about yourself Manuel and obviously you know the podcast you know and how we kind of uh have, you know got you on the show to to talk Gladbach but let's also talk about you know your, your podcast so Volroot Abroad uh, you can see all the details down below us. Uh, so obviously an English-speaking podcast all about Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so first of all, you know, where, where did this come from, Manuel? The, you know, the podcast, yourself and your co-hosts, where, where did the idea spring from? Yeah, so we had um, established a podcast about Borussia Mönchengladbach in German, uh, so far out to without a, abroad <laughs> in uh, 2013. So, you know, and then, yeah, it's pretty much one of the, there is another podcast in Germany that has been longer running, but uh, in terms of Gladbach podcasts, it's sort of the number two in terms of, uh, you know, how long we've been online. Um, throughout the pandemic and over the last year, we sort of um, slowed down or we called it a sabbatical. So we gave up a little bit and we, we tend to sort of do very bespoke episodes where we would just sure. return every couple of months. And each one of us is actually quite often a guest in, in other podcasts. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's quite a bit of fun. Um, for the abroad, so the English version itself, you know, I've been I've been in the UK now for, well, 12 years and running. So um, talking, discussing football and all sorts of level, I, at some point, because I was discussing Gladbach so much in, in German, I thought like, well, you know, maybe... People would appreciate to, to have a podcast in English, um, especially with with the folks going, uh, you know, into Champions League, Europe, Europa yeah. League. There was a bit of you know interest from not necessarily media, but certainly you know support it draws the supporters there from 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 you know other regions of the world. So yeah, I thought let's give it a try. Um, I ran it for for the, at the beginning it was it was a small team, and then it was only me. So um, it's quite it's quite not a weekly or biweekly podcast. So apologies if we. <laughs> If we're not uh, broadcasting every couple of weeks, but um, I brought in um, um, a, a friend, someone also who's been, yeah, talking football with me for oh, nearly 40 years, I'd say, um, you know, maybe 35, um, and uh, very knowledgeable. And uh, you know, he 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 lived through the, the glory of the of the 70s with Gladbach winning the league, winning the UEFA Cup twice. Um, he he still remembers this as a child. So it's always good to have his his wisdom aside. And and so Alexis and and, and me were just yeah, we're just you know having a chat about Gladbach, what, what's going on every couple of weeks, and um, it's been it's been really fun to um, to be a duo right now, you know, be a team again. So yeah, we also you know sort of eight years and running. Um, so that's that's the story of the of the podcast. Good stuff. Uh, I mean, would you say that you've had um, uh, over the seasons that you've been been doing the podcast a, a particular episode that you enjoyed doing the most, uh, or or maybe reacting to a certain game or even a guest that you've had on yourself that you you know would say maybe as a standout over the eight years that you've done done the podcast so so the, certainly um a standout episode was just very recently and that we we uh, actually ran this over the the full route of the german podcast but apologies it's like one empire of podcasts a week just <laughs> all it's the same 
um, where actually I had uh, Ibrahima Traoré, the former Gladbach player, um, oh, okay. in, in, in the show, um, which which yeah came came out of um, exchanges on Twitter, where um, it was the story where Marcus Thuram was accused by the tabloid media in Germany or in, in, in Gladbach around Gladbach of um, yeah talking talking badly about the club and sort of uh, talking talking down manager players etc. And it was a podcast that was in French. I so happened to speak French. I listened to the to the podcast episode with Turam and actually Traoré. And so there's a sort of a translation. And um, we then right. had a chat. They, they really appreciated what I said about the episode because it was all mistranslated. Right. Um, and yeah, that's that's how. And then basically he came on the show to sort of, um, yeah, just just mention how much he actually still loves the club. Um, and I truly believe that that's the truth with him because um, there was a video back when back in um, two years ago when he left the club and he was in tears. Max Eber was in tears. And, uh, you know, he spoke really from the heart. It was, it was quite moving, actually. Um, and he was just defending Turam and, and the podcast. That it was just a couple of jokes, and um, it all it all is a long, you know, it's the tail end of a story where last season the the French connection in Gladbach, um, player Turam and Bolo certainly from the Swiss sure. side, you know, speaking French, yeah. which is sort of be quite a you know clicky and, and and sort of a separate group, and this would create some issue in the in the in changing rooms. And it it I think that was sort of the the story that was made made up yeah, okay. in the end there. Um, but it was a, it was a good episode. It was nice to, to talk to a, to a player on air. So yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, any other questions yourself, Mark, around the podcast? Yeah, just like wh where do you hope to take it, really? So like obviously you said that it's not a very regular. Do you have any kind of big goals for it in the future? Maybe get a few more players on, or get a few managers on, maybe in, in the future. I, I think that's certainly a goal for uh, for um, well, Alexis, Alexis. Now we talked about getting getting players on. That would be nice because I think sometimes. Maybe there's a bit of a um, a step back that players take when they have to speak English in a podcast. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not so scrutinized by German media, so less vetted. So we're hoping uh, we're hoping to get also some former players on. Let's see how that develops. Um, they're not necessarily always quite responsive if you just sort of go through uh, through official channels. Uh, you know, might might sort of tempt your luck at the training session or something, or or somewhere where you run into them. Um, as, as for the podcast itself, I'm just happy to, you know, continue to provide an English language podcast. I think Gladbach in particular, um, praising praising my sort of peers here, the, the Gladbach podcast mm -hmm. scene, um, there's about half a dozen of podcasts in German. They're absolutely excellent. Um, you, you, you get sort of the, the chatty one, you get the one that is really more really journalism based and you get one that is really... Um, you know, tactical analysis based and, and, and really get the full set of podcasts to your, mm. to your flavor. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to contribute the, the English version at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I, and I've, I mean, I've listened to the first one of the season already myself and, and the way that, you know, uh, yourself and, uh, and your co-host, uh, kind of chat together, as you mentioned with, with your friendship, it is very much kind of like, obviously just having the casual conversation much like me and mark do on the show and it, it comes across really nicely and it, it's it for me it feels like it's really easy to pick up so for for the casual fan that wants to learn a little bit more about gladback or or indeed you know just how how they've been getting on so far this season or previously so yeah i mean it from from my point of view it's, it's really kind of a great way for people to be able to absorb it for english-speaking audience so I'm, I'm very pleased that you've done it for the english-speaking audience because i think the more that the more of the kind of the good word that we spread at the bundesliga you know that the, the more we'll find out about it so um that, that's really good um moving on to like kind of 
in regards to your own personal sense of um, supporting Di Folen, um, Manuel, where, where has it stemmed from there? Obviously, we've had a little conversation off air, but do you want to just let everyone else know where it where it all kind of uh, breeds from? Uh, it's, it's kind of a boring story, I guess. It's the same old, um, uh, it sort of runs in the family. And also, I, I, I grew up in Mönchengladbach, I went to school there. I mean, technically, I wasn't born there. I was in you know nearby nearby um, um, city, but um, spent the first 20 years of my life in, in Mönchengladbach. And, um, there it's pretty much um as in you know you have a couple of uh, places in in england or in in scotland and certainly also you know germany france where there's really there's really no alternative to uh, if you're interested in sports and you're interested in football you, you just become a gladbach supporter you know so uh, <laughs> i mean i know i know a very few friends you know one was maybe a hamburg supporter and you get the odd bayern supporter but then poof, that's about it maybe kaiserslautern at the time you know so 80s 90s um but really um that that's your pick um, it doesn't even reach Dortmund and the like, so it's 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 all Gladbach. So all our friends and, and you know were Gladbach supporters growing up, and we would have season tickets um, as teenagers, um, you know, travel to away games, and uh, yeah, of course, then you start. Uh, in my case, moving moving out of town, you know, also peers leave they for studies, but uh, you know, you still stay connected to the to the club as good as it as you can. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, so it's it's just a sort of organically grown story, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and what was your best memory watching the the team? Obviously, in the Borussia Park, what was your your favorite game that you've ever seen live? Um, that's 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 an interesting one. So um, Borussia Park, you know, there's there's also of course a couple of memorable games in the in the Birkelberg until two thousand four. Ah, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, if we if we it's probably easier if we stick to Borussia Park since since two thousand four. Um, I th I think of course a really memorable event was the first um the first internet like the first Champions League although it was mm. a playoff round but the first Champions League match against Dynamo Kiev mm. so I was I was living in Scotland and I flew in for the night I had about 12 or 18 hour stay in Germany so just crashed on friends couch and then drew, uh, flew out the next morning um we lost 3-1 um went 1-0 up uh, so you know there was a moment where oh yeah we can really make this and then got sort of hit on a counter attack by really you know clinical side at the time but it was still an amazing feeling to 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 just um you know make it to that stage or at least the pre-stage i guess but yeah. you know it's, yeah. it's good um i i would i would name i thought you know i thought about a really peculiar game that i enjoyed so much and it embodies gladbach quite a bit um in the pre in the pre-ebal and the pre-europa league champions league era it was in 2008 2008-9 season the gladbach was pretty mediocre um <laughs> battling relegation and they um it was a it was sort of a early in the season sort of a you know late summer saturday nice weather um you'd have a have a beer before the game and uh, they were playing better brim where the side were one of the top sides i mean they finished second the year before and they were top in the european competition they had um they had ozil they had uh, diego i mean two fantastic number 10 playmakers who could just Legends. you know yeah it was i mean during these seasons they would score they would score 75 80 goals a season win regularly 5 nil, 6 1 etc so we were you know it was a match where i could say like well you know maybe we get a draw and and pretty much like the leipzig game was like really surprised gladbach uh, had one of the best game or certainly the best game of that season and we won 3-2 uh going 3 nil up um uh, and and fantastic goal. There was one play. Uh, Alexander Baumjohan who went on to play for um, Schalke afterwards, Bayern Munich. Um, I think Hertha as well. And he he had a and you can still probably find on YouTube. He had a he scored the third goal in the second half, 
with a sort of 75 yard run solo where he just runs across the whole pitch and dribbles six or seven <laughs> that player. It's just, you know, one of these days where like you're not expecting that kind of yeah. match on, on such a Saturday. And it was just the perfect day. And then still in Gladbach style, uh, Werder pulls two back in the last 10 minutes. So actually the last <laughs> five minutes, it's 3-2. You're in your pants on the, in, you know, in the stands. <laughs> like, they're going to screw this up. And well, luckily they didn't. So um, quite a memorable sort of, you know, you get all flavors of what it meant to be a Gladbach supporter pre-Lucien uh, Favre, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, you mentioned a couple of, yeah, good games there. Let, let's talk about some players then. So could you give us a... A favorite former player and a favorite current player at the moment. Yeah, so uh, I'm very sad because if you if I have to pick, it's, diff it's so difficult, right? So I mean, for the current <laughs> player, I, I think just for the sheer, um, for the sheer presence that he he still has on the pitch, I have to pick Lars Stindl. Yeah. Um, who is such an intelligent player and i think it's sort of is often the way he plays is the kind of football i like when he's sort of between the lines and you know he plays a one touch or he plays a really intelligent move and the way he turns on the pitch and he still delivers goals and assists and he's 34 of age you mm -hmm. know and on the weekend he played fantastically you know linking up with the other players still a leader um you know he, he was given a yellow card for sort of a square up against one of the leipzig players deep in the second half where you feel like, well, that should be one of the 19-year-olds being really angry still, and you're just calm, the calming presence, but he's like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and he scored so many fantastic and important goals for Gladbach, and it's yeah. just a, he's just a very pleasant guy as well, from, from what I can tell, from what I heard. Um, you know, mm -hmm. really a you know, family man, just, a, just really nice, identifies with the club. Previous players, I was going to say the one and only Juan Arango, certainly mm, one of the yeah, yeah. You know, most gifted left-footed uh, players that Bundesliga has ever seen. Um, then it, it's really a tie with uh, Patrick Anderson from the 90s. So today I'm, mm. you know, sporting a sort of mid-90s uh, Gladbach trikot. Yeah. At the time, <laughs> at the time it was, um, you know, they won the cup in 95 with Patrick Anderson. Um, and he was, he just was such a, a the presence as a defender. For years, Gladbach had, you know, one of the strongest defense in the league. And it was all him organizing this the back four. Um, so, yeah. I'm I'm hard pressed to maybe I said maybe Patrick Anderson so you know because uh, for for the good old times because I always say Juan Arango otherwise but uh, you know it's it's a good sort of pick from the '90s I guess. <laughs> yeah, and what about manager then? Who is your favorite manager? Because obviously you've had quite a few decent managers. Obviously Lucien Favre did a good job. Even Marco Rosa. I mean, I'm going to come to him a little bit later about what Gladbach fans think of him, but he obviously did well in his two years at the club. But who would you say your favorite manager has been over the last? Since you've been following the club, I uh, would have to be Lucien Favre without doubt. <laughs> There's no, um, it, it is just um, the way he almost resurrected the club, resurrected the team that very much that season where Gladbach was um, seven or eight points adrift, uh, you know, pretty much at the end of the season, and then um, played played a really nice series to make it into the into the sort of playoff match, um, and yeah, stay up against Bochum, uh, and then the following season, as I mentioned, you know, we qualify for the Champions League well, playoff stage on, on position number four at the time, um, Europa League and then Champions League again. And the I think his quirkiness, the way he handled situations, the way he talked off the pitch, the way he talked to the press, it's, it's just a nice match with Gladbach, who always had a flavor for slightly odd managers. You know, so <laughs> somebody who's quite slick and um, uh, maybe also does well at other clubs, doesn't necessarily do well at Gladbach. I think there has to be something about... Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a club grown out of this 
rivalry with Bayern Munich in the 70s being the underdog, um, uh, being the one without the money, and we could still fee- face the big team. So, yeah, and the club has, you know, always cultivated that image. So, uh, as a as a manager, you don't you, you don't get the I don't know you don't get the you know big names or the the, the Louis van Gaal of this world. So you would some get somebody who's kind of a tinkerer and somebody who's who's maybe also not working at other clubs where you have to speak eloquently and explain yourself every couple of minutes. But Lucien Favre was just sort of this, you know, with his, with his nice French accent when he was speaking German. It, it was just a nice match. And the football we played was at times outstanding. I mean, it was very nice counter-attacking football that developed into possession-based football, um, circulating the ball. And defensively, we had, you know, the strongest. I mean, I think one season we only conceded, uh, was it, I don't know, 24 goals or so, you know, at wow. times the best defense in Europe. Uh, head of Barcelona, the great Barcelona of like, you know, 2012 and etc. Um, so I have to name him because he really, it, it, a Gladbach supporter was, being a Gladbach supporter in, in the 90s, apart from the cup win and then in the in the noughties, it's it's pretty bleak years. And then all of a sudden you you challenge for Europe. So, you know, that that's associated with his name. So I have to, it has to be Lucien Favre. <laughs> But overall, yeah. it has to be Jupp Heynke. It's like he's one of the all-time legends in the Jupp Heynke. Obviously, I think he's a bit before your time, though. Yeah. Well, actually, my first season at the Gladbach supporter was the last season of uh, Jupp Heynke. Really? So wow. it's it's an odd one. It's a it's a it's a tough one because I I I started following the results. Uh, yeah, in the 86-87 season. That's <laughs> all I am. Um, but that was Jupp Heynke's last season before going before going to Bayern yeah. Munich, and and um, they finished that season with a. Um, 12th win run so they just they just you know they i think they started on position 11 in the league and then finished third which at the time wasn't the champions league was the uefa cup right but but still but that's actually really tough if you start following a club and they just win every game and you're like well that's that's how it is to be sort of the side which it wasn't it wasn't in the years to come but uh, yeah no your point is of course he's a legend yeah truly but um yeah i think for the Having lived through the entire era of losing Favre, it, it, he will still be my top pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah moving on to the, uh, I guess, looking ahead to the future of, of the club and in, indeed what might uh, be to come, just immediately kind of reacting or maybe getting your initial thoughts, Matt Miles, to the, um, you know, the Max Ebel story. Um, now, you know, formerly of Gladbach, moving on to RB Leipzig after being with the club in the sporting direct position for well over a decade you know, oversaw a number of, you know, changing kind of parts of Gladbach in, in general. Eli, what's your kind of thoughts on on kind of this story that we've seen in the last few days? Um, it, I, I'm just, I think, quite happy that it's, that it's over now. And that probably mm-hmm. echoes the feeling of a lot of Gladbach supporters because it's becoming, you know, it has become quite sort of unsavory at times um, with, you know, a lot of these sort of peak insults, peak uh yeah not not so nice moments at the at the match just talking about what happened and talking about what what happened before probably is out of scope for for such an episode because there was you know so much it was like the 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 fpmgs or the Gladbach supporters club they were they, they wrote an open letter to max eber uh yada yada yeah it went on um banners up at the game but in the end it is clear and i think that's without without a doubt you have to say as a Gladbach supporter he's done uh, tremendously well at the club. He's he's um, the face, or he's the head of an of an era. And certainly, Gladbach would be. There's many examples in German football um, to you know uh, 
1860 Munich, there's there's Kaiserslautern, there's well even Schalke now, where Gladbach could have ended being a, a, a league, you know, League One even side, maybe you know, championship sort of you know, zweite mm. Bundesliga side, yeah, going up and down, much like they did in the noughties, being relegated there. Um, and he just stabilized the club to say, like, well, you know, we're not we're not always aiming for Europe, but we sh we should, we could, but you know, let's make it just a, a nice season starting, you know, starting off from the from the premise that we'll stay in the top nine or top ten, which which he always sort of said quite quite um yeah, um modest, I guess at times, or too modest for some of the supporters. But you know, he brought in so much talent, so many great players he developed, he 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 discovered for, for really cheap, ridiculous money, if you think Premier League terms, you know. Um at the end now he's he's going to RB Leipzig, which is not a club. You know, it's it's a franchise. Um, it is something that shouldn't be shouldn't be happening in its form in, in German football. That is pretty clear. You know, we have there's there's a clear the DFL has clear rules on that. They seem to be oddly um yeah um avoided for 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 RB Leipzig. Um so it, I can understand that there's anger, I can understand that there's outrage about about Eva going there. Everything that concerns his his uh, physical condition, his his illness, his whatever down level he felt in the last year, that is not for me to judge, and I don't think any Gladbach supporters can judge this. Um, there was a lot of also comments that were completely off, including that from the you know supporters club. So all that put put now to an end is just good news. You know, there's going to be some money involved, and he wasn't going to come back to Gladbach in, immediately or even in the near future. That was clear when he left. So. Let's turn the page, and it's it is a bit odd that somebody like him, who has off the record of of Mike often uh, told told supporters that you know Leipzig and and the likes, it's not the football and not the clubs or the so called clubs he wants in the Bundesliga, and that's that's not something he would see as a next move. So now he wasn't true to his words. So I think that's also where sort of the anger comes from. Although you know it's sort of read between the lines or it's it's off record. But you know, it was it was more or less clear that this was said, and this is also coherent with what Max Eberl officially said. He was always aiming at Leipzig and, and maybe Hoffenheim to say, like, well, you know, there's clubs with a lot of tradition and others, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it is an it is really an odd move. I think from somebody who is inside the, the business, you can probably understand this, but I, I think it's also very fair for Gladbach to not accept this and say, um, to say, you know, if you, I think if you're in the right mind, you would say, thank you for the 10 plus years you've done in the club. Maybe the very beginning and maybe the very end wasn't so great, but that's just normal record of any sporting director, any manager. Um, but yeah, we're not happy with where you're going. And we wish we don't wish you all the best <laughs> in your position. You know, and that's, that, that should be it, really. Yeah. Do, do, you think, yeah. do you think it is mostly because obviously it's going to RB Leipzig? Because I know obviously living in oh, yeah. Germany myself, I know having interacted with a lot of German football fans, you know, I know that Leipzig is seen as like the devil basically in German football. Like pretty much everyone hates them here. Like they're pretty much like a meme really in many ways, aren't they? Like nobody likes them. But would you say it is the fact that he's going there? Like say he was going to Bayern or Dortmund, would you say that the feeling would be a little bit more um, amicable or would you say it's uh, would be the same results really? Well, I think he would have, uh, and and Bayern was on the on the menu or in the sort of sort of the in the gossip, mm. you know, sort of mill for 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 years, especially because before Sal Salimicic was sort of established. Mm. Um, I think you know, yeah, of course, if you go to Bayern, there's also history. Gladbach, Lothar Matthäus, back in the in the eighties, <laughs> you know, still being branded Judas whenever he shows up. You know, the fans are still chanting that. It's 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 going. It would be tough. Would have been tough, but it's it's on a different level. I think a lot of people would have said, "Well, you know, he's 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 from there. He played for that club. Um, it's sort of the ultimate challenge in German football. 
um, yeah, you know, it's still it's still a club, you know, uh, you know, it's a different it's a different category, it's a different level, and as you say, you know, uh, RB Leipzig is just a different number in, in, in German football. Yeah, I think I personally I, I also thought about this and said like, well, but if it's all like, oh, he should have chosen tradition. If had he gone to Cologne um, mm. as a as an arch enemy of Gladbach, I think mm. I would have found that more difficult personally than Leipzig <laughs> because at least yeah. he kind of sort of project the same feelings onto everyone who's there. But then Cologne is a bit of a <laughs> who's going to hurt us, which is funny because it would have closed the circle with Gladbach. Mm. You know, in the 1670s, Hannes Weisweiler, one of the great Gladbach coaches yeah, yeah. as well, winning the titles with Cologne and then Gladbach. Yeah, yeah, a similar, yeah. he's, he's coached both clubs. So, you know, would have been sort of Weisweiler vibes there for Max Ebel. But yeah, it's it's not to be. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of outcomes where he could have felt, oh, that's not great, you know, ending at clubs club XY. But um, mm, yeah. Leipzig definitely was bottom of the pile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He paid the money, that's the thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, uh, it would have been a brave man to well to do the switch certainly between Gladbach and Köln. Um, speaking of which, the Ryan the Ryan derby isn't far far off as now uh, after the international break. So looking forward to that. Um, just to kind of finish up, then uh, Manuel, what what we like to do is when we get uh, people who are associated with certain clubs, we like to do a bit of prediction going forwards. So obviously, putting you on the spot a little bit here, but if if you were pressed where you know if for you know in the exact position or roughly there or thereabouts where would you say that maybe Gladbach will finish the season and kind of just uh, obviously because it is looking a lot more optimistic this season certainly and that's great um so what you know what are you kind of semi predictions for the end of the season maybe yeah, I would hope, and of course, I'm under the influence, so to speak, of the of the Leipzig match. <laughs> uh, but I would, I would hope we, um, I would hope we go for um, position five or six in the league. That would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah. um, we we see, you know, Leverkusen as an example. They're currently struggling. Leipzig hasn't really um, got going. So maybe there's a there's a moment where some of the bigger names drop off, and also maybe Leipzig and um, sorry, and Union and uh, and Freiburg that cannot really hold that pace for the whole season. I'm hoping, but. They've done this in the last season, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> so we find ourselves somewhere in the middle there, and uh, anything that is that is linked to Europe is always great. It's always appreciated in Gladbach, and everyone is happy. I think you know if the Favre, the, the Farke football will con- continue like like we've seen in the first matches, people would also be happy with position number seven or eight, unless it's like narrowly losing out to Cologne on goal difference, right? But <laughs> you know, let's say let's say European spot on on fifth or sixth would be great, yeah. Good stuff. Um, do, do you think a Champions League push is realistic? Or because obviously, I think Daniel Farker mentioned in one of his interviews recently, didn't he? Whenever Gladbach win a game, the fans are talking about Champions League. But whenever they lose a game, they're talking about relegation. That's what that was one of his interviews recently, I think. But do you think Champions League is possible, or do you think it's a bit of a, a touch too far this season? I think it is possible if we look at um, the the other clubs not performing to their strength. If if you have a season with Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen, and Leipzig just getting the points from the beginning, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's out of bounds. And then you have really strong sides at the moment, like you know, Union, uh, Freiburg, Hoffenheim, yeah. certainly Cologne. Then it's already really tough to push for that fifth or sixth spot. So mm-hmm. if everything comes together, and that's what also what you know Eva said before, really, if it's a perfect season. Yeah, you might end up on that fourth spot or even the third spot, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of things have to come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, so I think that pretty much rounds us up for for the show this evening. So uh, first and foremost, thank you so much, Manuel, for your time. Uh, been an absolute blast talking about Gladbach and all, and all things, but uh, Volrut, uh 
and Volroot Abroad. Um, obviously, you can see all the information on the banner that's been going uh, below during the show. So make sure that you go over to Twitter to give them a follow and indeed head over to the website, the WordPress site, where all the uh, podcasts are being released and you can catch up with everything that's been going on and make sure that you keep up to date with all your Gladback information with Manuel and co. Uh, so, yeah, over to you, Mark, to, to close up tonight's show. Yeah, definitely. So if you enjoyed what you saw today on the show, then remember our Twitter feed, which is out over the bar FB and out over the bar extra. Remember also our main centerpiece website as well, which is otbfootball.net. You can see just about everything football related on there. We are like a basically an all football site. We cover everything from like League One, League Two and Championship, which obviously we have another YouTube program as well, which comes out every Thursday or Friday at the moment. Yeah, So if you're a lower league English football fan as well, remember to check that out. And don't forget to like, comment and subscribe as well. Obviously, we like the comments too, because, you know, it kind of gives us the opportunity to interact more and more with our fans. So, yeah, thanks a lot again to Manuel. And we will see you again on Thursday for our fantasy football show. So, auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. Bye-bye. Oh, okay.